Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Want great new romance books to read but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello, welcome back to When in Romance, where we love to talk about romance and all of those things. And I gotta tell you, you all should appreciate the fact that to record this, you know, Trisha and I both have to turn off our air conditioning. And I don't know what the temperature is in DC, but here in Tucson, Arizona, it is still 106 degrees. So we love you so much that we are doing this yes. for you. <laughs> Indeed. And I don't know what the temperature is right now. I can tell you that we are, we're, we're getting close to one of those records of like 90 plus degree days for whatever number of weeks in a row. And uh, it's not the kind of record you want to hit, no. to be honest. No, yeah, we're supposed to be hitting some awful record temperature this weekend. But anyway, that was an aside. This is When in Romance. <laughs> this is episode 63. We are recording on Thursday, July 9th. Which is good, right? Because it would be alarming if we were... It's alarming that this is happening in July, but it would be even more alarming if we were desperate to leave our air conditioning on in like February or March. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but, mm -hmm. but not quite yeah. to the level that it's like... All right, Trisha, we're going to do like a 20-minute episode so I can be cool again. No, we're, that's a lie. You all know You're it. You're always cool. You know how we get. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah, I know, right? Like, I almost was like, oh, I'm not sure if we have enough segments today. And I was like, no, we definitely, I'm sure we do. We do. I, I'm sure that we do. But we are actually genuinely, truly, tremendously grateful for all of you, air conditioning aside. We're going to take a quick second at the just here at the top of the show to thank everyone who has been reaching out and sending thoughts and sending input. And, you know, we're just getting a lot of lovely feedback lately, which sometimes happens. It sort of happens in fits and starts. And I just wanted to mention it. Jess and I had been talking about it this week, and we really are very grateful. We heard from Madison, who not only took our survey, but actually sent some suggestions on um, some things that maybe were a little inconsistent about it, which is the kind of engagement and civic responsibility that I really appreciate. <laughs> Becky is calling people out for how they characterize romance. I'm only using first names because I'm hoping that they are anonymous enough that nobody feels like they're being specifically called out. Jamie sent us an email that basically made 
our 2020, and I think some of the editors who we sent it along to as well, probably theirs as well. Angel sent an incredibly kind note as well. And I, I'm sure I'm forgetting some folks, because uh, like I said, we, we sometimes get these in sort of like little batches. Mm-hmm. But this has, I think, for everybody in different ways and to different extents, been just a really bumpy season. And uh, it actually makes a big difference in terms of my day to hear that kind of feedback. So so I'm not saying anybody ever has to send it, but I do want you to know that when you do send it, I appreciate it. Same. Absolute same. Yeah. So anyway, thanks to those of you who are reaching out. Thanks to those of you who listen and don't feel compelled to reach out. That's okay, too. I don't – I feel bad. I don't know if – there are a lot of podcasts I like, and I now I feel like I should be sending more notes to those people because I know how much I like it. So you guys are really changing my life in a lot of ways. <laughs> we all express our appreciation for things in different ways. It's just like those of us who don't go to marches but support people, you know. <laughs> exactly. Way to bring it back around, Jess. <laughs> There's consistency here on the One in Romance podcast in 2020. So yeah, anyway, many, many thanks to those folks. Shall we do, before we, as you guys know, and I'm sure are very excited about, this is our Getting Schooled Book Club episode. Yay. And we are very excited about it. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But before, maybe we'll knock out an ad spot, huh, Jess? Let's do that. So thank you to... One of our sponsors for this episode, Sourcebooks and Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. Luke O'Donnell is tangentially and reluctantly famous, and one compromising photo is enough to ruin everything. To clean up his image, Luke has to find a nice, normal relationship, and Oliver Blackwood is as normal as they come. In other words, perfect boyfriend material. Unfortunately, apart from being gay and single, Luke and Oliver have nothing in common, so they strike a deal to be publicly friendly, fake boyfriends, until the dust has settled. But the thing about fake dating is that it can feel a lot like real dating, and that's when you get used to someone, start falling for them, don't ever want to let them go, oh my gosh, I am ready for this book. (laughs) Aw, sounds so lovely. And we've we've talked about Alexis Hall before. This is the first book that I will definitely pick up of his that can be called a rom-com. And I'm excited to catch all of those funny bits with the intensity with which he writes. So once again, thank you to Sourcebooks and Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, who I have purchase some of Alexis Hall's books for for his birthday, noticed this, like saw this book somewhere and saw it somehow and said, I saw that this new Alexis Hall book is out and I might actually spend my own money on it, which I think would actually be the first romance that he has ever purchased for himself. That's great. Yeah, which is, I think, kind of cool. I'm excited about that one too. I'm also excited about Getting Schooled by Christina C. Jones. I too am excited. Yeah, this was your... Pick, Jess, do you want to talk a little bit about, well, your recommendation? And I was like, yeah, I've been meaning to read Christina C. Jones. Let's do it. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit? What What is it either about the book or about the author that made you think the time has come? The <laughs> one in romance time has come to book club about Christina C. Jones. Well, I, I think I might have mentioned on when in romance at some point last summer. I don't, I don't actually remember when I read it, but 
I Christina C. Jones is a name that has been around my face for a while. I think the first book of hers that I put on my Goodreads to read list was like 2017. And I just hadn't actually sat down and read one of her books. And then I read I Think I Might Love You because I followed her on Facebook or Twitter or something. And that cover just kept popping up in my face. And it was like, I need to read this. And it was hilarious. It was sharp and funny, and the relationship was built out in a way that was exciting and engaging. And I was like, I need more of her. So I sort of picked at her backlist because at the time that I talked about I Think I Might Love You, she had 50 books in her backlist. And it's been long enough that there have probably been five or six more, if not more than that. So she is very prolific. And the Wright Brothers were a uh, collection was one that I kept seeing and kept hearing people talk about as one of like, her ultimate reads. Like if you read nothing else that Christina C. Jones has mm -hmm. written, pick up all of the Wright Brothers books. And the first mm -hmm. one is Getting Schooled. And at some point, I actually bought the Wright Collection, which is all three of the full-length novels and then a holiday novella. And it had just been sitting in my Kindle waiting for me to love it. And <laughs> so when we talked about doing a book club and it was like, what am I anticipating reading that is not in the middle of a series that's coming out that I haven't already read, that people would be excited to read, that a lot of people maybe haven't already read. And that was that was how I landed on Getting Schooled as my recommendation. And I, just to take a second too, to talk about Christina C. Jones, you're right, her backlist is bananas. Mm -hmm. I think you put in a recent Kissing Books newsletter that she's written 50-something books. And she has an astonishingly high average rating on Goodreads, right? Mm -hmm. Any author who can average above four out of five on Goodreads, I think, and I, you, you all know Goodreads is not my natural habitat, but <laughs> I do try to kind of keep an eye out. Her average rating is 4.57 out of five. She's got nearly 30,000 ratings. I believe she is an exclusively, and if not exclusively, then primarily self-published mm -hmm. author. And as we have discussed in the past, it is really difficult for women of color, and particularly Black women who are romance writers, to have this kind of success. And I, I think you, I, I, I will credit Jess entirely, I'm not even going to say we, I think you are on the early end of the Christina C. Jones about to break really big phenomenon. Because it's, I don't know, I mean, it's just the kinds of numbers and the fandom that you see around her is unlike much of what you see for anyone. And I, it's kind of astonishing to me that, I mean, I'm very late to the game in this. I think a lot of us are. Mm -hmm. She's had books on some of the Book Riot best of lists for at least about the last year, the, the, you know, the best of the year and best of the year so far lists. And so anyway, all of that to say, I'm, I'm very glad that we had an opportunity to read this book. I'm very glad that you recommended it. Hooray! I'm glad to hear Hooray. that. And you know, like, because she is exclusively self-published, and 
works so hard and does so much. You know, some readers are going to look at the technicality and be like, there were typos in this book. Of course there are going to be typos. It's like, it it happens. Just gloss over and keep going because you understand the elements of it and the core of it and that kind of thing. I mean, I would be perfectly happy to beta read every single one of her books and clean out the typos. But that is another story <laughs> for another day. I mean, listen, we all have to make sacrifices where we where we do, right, Jess? Uh, it's just the way it goes. I would lay down and do that for her, should she ever want someone to do it. <laughs> you are so giving of yourself. It's one of my, my favorite things about you. <laughs> And this was a great pick. First of all, I have to tell you from the beginning, I've loved that this is the Wright Brothers, because if you are uh, someone who studied a lot of American history or even a particular kind of American history, the Wright Brothers has a pretty specific Mm -hmm. connotation around flight. And I love that, at least in this book, not only does she just own the title, she doesn't even try to, she doesn't even make like a weird joke about it. She's (laughs) just like, no, this is the Wright Brothers. We're leaning in hard to it. (laughs) And it was, I will give like a a three sentence summary and then where I get it wrong or incomplete, Jess, obviously correct me, but this is the story of Reese and Jay or Jason, um, it's his full name. There's some conversation and back and forth about that. (laughs) And it's an enemies to lovers romance. Reese is working as a grad assistant for her mother, who is a well-established professor, but she certainly has earned the position. It's not, you know. It's not a nepotism situation. She's working for her mother, but she certainly is qualified to do it. Jason has spent several years, or at least a few years, in the military. He was injured, lost a leg, and is a veteran and wants... He's working for his father's car sales and repair shop. He would rather be working in the repair side, but occasionally has to do the sales thing. He is... There's almost like sort of this unknown, like, secret back and forth of letters in that Reese actually really loves his papers, but as a human, she is very annoyed by Jason. And then when she finds out that he is the person writing the letters, it's like a whole thing. It's like a, you know, you've got mail sort of a situation. It's a lot. (laughs) So this is an enemies to lovers romance, which we can come back around to in a second, but not usually my jam, but I do feel like this one was handled really, really well, which again, we can get into. But did I miss any major plot points, Jess? Anything that we should cover before we kind of start talking about what we thought of this book? I think you got down down to the, the core elements to it. Like they literally bump into each other. And from the from that moment, their interpersonal relationship is strife ridden, um, but not in a in a sort of enmity kind of way they just really like poking at each other they're they they don't hate but they do not enjoy each other's company in initially does that make sense i'm sure it does (laughs) it does because you're brilliant but also i think that and actually i think that totally hits the nail on the head of why for me this kind of enemies to lovers thing worked right because that hate or that enmity wasn't there. It was mm-hmm. sort of a, you know, at some point she's honestly like she's kind of a jerk to him. And then he, and I guess we're gonna we're gonna dabble a little in spoilers. I don't think we're gonna spoil anything major. So mm-hmm. hopefully folks still feel comfortable listening through. If not, feel free to skip ahead and read it and come back. But 
at one point, she's kind of a jerk to him, and he, before he realizes that she is his professor's daughter, sends an email to the professor being like, this grad assistant was very unprofessional and blah, blah, blah. And she kind of feels like he was a little bit of a tattletale, <laughs> which, to be honest, so did I. <laughs> but then it, it kind of twists the way that she deals with him and that she does like this sort of very extra over the top professional to the mm. point where he knows that she's kind of screwing with him a little bit. And mm. so anyway, it, and they do like, there's a very clear chemistry that is there, even as there is also this friction. Mm -hmm. And I think as the friction starts to die away a little bit, the chemistry obviously remains and builds, which again, I think is why for me, this worked a little bit better than en enemies to lovers sometimes does because i don't i guess my thing and i say this is someone who is you know an adult human who has no patience for dating i'm like if this person's annoying you why are you spending time with them like what are you doing <laughs> but in this case there actually is that very clear chemistry and those very clear connections mm -hmm. so that it kind of makes sense and feels authentic i guess yeah, I mean, there's definitely a range of enemies to lovers. There is like literal, like, which I really usually only support in fantasy situations or supernatural mm -hmm. situations. We are literally on opposite sides of a war. But for some reason, yeah. we have to be around each other. And oh, wait, look, I think I like you. Not really a successful thing in human wars. But like I said, yeah. fantasy or like paranormal situation where the vampire and the werewolf fall in love, whatever. I mean, listen, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Um, so there's like that level of enmity lovers. And then there's like the pride and prejudice level where like they hit the wrong note at some point and decide immediately not to like each other. But they also kind of can't stop thinking about each other. And then something happens and things change. <laughs> Which you should write a you should write a, a Pride and Prejudice redo, Jess. Could be very short. <laughs> something happened and everything changed. And everything changed. <laughs> Boom. The end. The end. <laughs> and then there's this level of enemies to lovers where it's just kind of like we feel some attraction to each other, but we're also very different kinds of people, and something is going to spark some kind of dislike. But that isn't really dislike. It's just kind of annoyance. And then as they grow to understand each other, that's when things happen. So, I mean, all of them have the same element of there's some disconnect and then there's a connection and things happen. But it's not quite like we're on opposing sides of a universal battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Fair. <laughs> And I actually, I threw a few uh, Instagram poll questions out today to see if other people felt the same way as I did about enemies to lovers, which is not amazing. I am in the minority. I want to say the, I did like the heart eyes poll where you slide the thing. I, that one was new to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm still figuring it out. But I would say the average feeling of enthusiasm was about 80%. People are into enemies to lovers. So I don't know, maybe they're reading a lot of paranormal, Jess, I don't, or a lot of werewolf vampire situations. Who knows? Maybe. Or maybe they're just like me and have read every single Pride and Prejudice retelling on the planet. Mm, could be. I also have like six years of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction under my belt. So Enemies to Lovers is kind of like my jam. Yeah. 
sounds that way. But I didn't think it would be that many because so many people that I am exposed to, like on the internet, on Twitter, and and that kind of thing, are not as huge fans of it and will go the other way to, like, friends slowly realizing that they're in love or whatever. But <laughs> But that's a whole other episode. Which is not always my jam. Like, it's gotta be, like, really, really concrete for me to realize that. There's just something about that, like, that switch that happens in an enemies to lovers story where, like, there was a disconnect and then there's a connection. Or, like, let me help you understand my side. Or something like that. And let's be honest, a lot of times that switch happens with no clothes on. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, that switch is not always unrelated to the sexy times happening in a romance book. This is true. Which was a little bit a little bit true in this one. I'm not like not all the way. They were they were headed in the right direction and then uh and then things changed, as Jess said. Sometimes happens. Yeah. But I like the fact that in this one things didn't completely change. There had to mm -hmm. be some other stuff to happen. Yes. Before any real change. Indeed. And well, and one of the things, and this is, I guess, a little bit spoilery, but a lot of stuff did have to happen. One of the things that I realized very starkly a little bit, I shouldn't say very starkly in that a little bit, but again, <laughs> it's late here. I'm doing my best. You're doing great. Thank you. Uh, is that there was not really a dark moment mm -hmm. in this romance. Once Reese and Jason get together... They're pretty much together. And there is one sort of like minor thing where she knows a thing that he doesn't. But he gets over it. He's like, yeah, it wasn't your thing to tell me. Somebody else should have. It's not a big deal. And then there's a thing where he's like, maybe I'll move. And she's like, don't move. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and then, which I mean, I will be honest. This is another question that I asked, which was, do you need a dark moment in your romance, like for the for the sake of the stakes, right? To, mm -hmm. for, for the plot to feel like the stakes are there, or are you good with just like an HEA? However, it comes along, happy ever after. It was about forty percent of people need the dark moment, like need to have that mm -hmm. level of stakes. Sixty percent were like, "No, I'm good. I yeah. just." Need <laughs> it would be interesting to to ask that question again a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. Like, just need to be like, "Where are people when we're not living in the age of a global pandemic?" and social unrest and yeah. record unemployment. Yeah, because this is a great time to just be like, nope, no stakes, just people uh -huh. communicating well. And if there's a problem, saying what the problem is. And yes. <laughs> yeah. like, it uh. is wonderful to see grown up humans communicating. Like, <sighs> that should be the, the name of this book. It's grown up humans communicating. <laughs> and it is. And I felt partly like, that's a thing that I'm seeing and I you know I don't we we don't have to go too far off on a tangent but it's a thing that I've now seen a few times recently where there's not a real dark moment where as a reader you're like how are they going to get over this mm -hmm. sometimes there'll be a little bit of bump where someone like moves away for a week and they <laughs> both know that person's coming back and yeah. it's fine but yeah it was I don't know. I, where are you on that, Jess? Do you, I, I don't know how to get a breakdown of person by person. So if you responded to the poll, I don't know what you said. I am kind of your 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 response group. As in, I sometimes I really want that dark moment. Like, was it Intercepted or the one after it, where it was like, I don't know how they're going to get out of this. Like, I don't see this book ending with them together. 
Mm, it might have been. Yeah, she moves away and intercepted. Okay, Spoiler it was intercepted. From a year and a half ago. <laughs> we did that one as a book club, everyone. That's a spoiler you, you should be prepared for by now. But yeah, and intercepted, yeah, she moves away. And it's like three months later, he's like, all right, let's talk. Yeah, it's like, oh, they both needed time to get their stuff together. And they did it. And the end. And that was great. And I love finding books like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's great to hit that hit the like lowest of low and know that you're reading a romance novel and they'll make it out. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about that um, who really doesn't like doesn't want people to suffer in the things that they're reading. And it's like, well, they got to suffer to make it to the end. But, you know, it's going to end well. So it's OK. Yeah. But I love a fluffy angst-free story like yeah. i mean it's gonna ha- it's not gonna be completely angst-free because you need something in the story but something where it's like a little like a kind of like grayish green kind of moment mm-hmm. instead of going all the way dark or some kind of external thing like wraith because we always yeah. talk about wraith where there's there is something that happens that's bad but it's not dealing with this, the central couple. Sometimes I need that kind of story. But sometimes mm-hmm. I just want to get all in my feelings, get all the angst out. Somebody gets kidnapped and you don't like, just give me the darkness. But mm-hmm. I don't want that all the time. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that we've talked about on this show as well, which is when the dark moment is external versus internal, mm-hmm. there's a real difference there. And that's in Reef. There's a little bit of a, a bump, at least, but it's external and it doesn't challenge the real relationship between that couple. And in this one, there's not even really a bump so much as like a, you know how sometimes like you accidentally run over like a twig in the road? <laughs> that's what this is. <laughs> Also, I'd like to say that I'm very proud of myself because after two and a half years of podcasting together, I knew exactly what you meant when you talked about a grayish green moment. <laughs> I was like, that's a thing Jess just made up, but I get it. It's not dark. It's just like a, it's like a, it's not pink. It's not yellow. It's a yeah. grayish green. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What other thoughts did you have about this book reading it? Well, like I wanted to just like mention a few things. There are a lot of things that I look for in almost any book. And one of them is, you know, things like banter and the relationship that each person has with the people around them. Because, you know, sometimes it's good. It's nice to read a book where all you see is a couple, but then you pick up a book and you see their friendships and you see their family relationships. You see one of their parents dating the other one. So it's... (laughs) It's nice to see that kind of thing. And it's nice to see the language that they all play with. Um, But particularly as a black woman, picking up a book by a black woman, writing about black characters, and just seeing language that like makes me feel at home, even though I don't use all of that language. It's just like, it's something it's like, I'm back in high school or something Mm -hmm. where I just, I'm surrounded by people I've been around and I'm at the cookout listening to people talk or something. Mm -hmm. And it just feels so great just to be in it for that little bit of time, especially since 
I don't like code switch because I'm not around people who talk like I talked when I was 12, you know? So, yeah. Um, Cause I live in Arizona. Sure. <laughs> hence the air conditioning problem. Obviously. Hence, hence the air conditioning problem. Um, but the, you know, picking up any of her books just like feels kind of like home. And it's really great to be able to find an author who might not even be from where you're from, but who kind of hits those beats in fun ways, while also offering you the kind of story that you want from any author. Yeah. With, you know, witty repartee and in-depth essays about non-existent authors and books, which are just hilarious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I... I gotta say, I don't have anything bad to say about this book, besides the fact that it ended kind of abruptly. But, you know, it also wasn't short, so... Yeah. And I mean, I think that it's just, uh, you are pointing out a very clear example of a thing that we've talked about, which is that people should be able to find books that make them feel that way. Mm-hmm. And... If you are someone like me, who is a white woman from a small town or whatever, there are plenty of them. Like, they are all over the place. So you're right that, I mean, those books should exist. They should exist for both of us, right? Like, they should Mm -hmm. exist for you to read and feel that way and for me to get some exposure. Like, you read Virgin River, or if you didn't, you watch the show, whatever. You read (laughs) books like Virgin River. I've read books like Virgin River. That's like, I grew up in a small town out west, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, you have to, I mean, there are, you know, we we push those kinds of stories on to all kinds of people, even though they represent just such a small sliver of life. And I don't know, it's it's that same representation thing that we've, we've talked about. But I, I do hope, I mean, Christina C. Jones is doing great. So mm-hmm. if she wants to self-publish forever... More power to her. I mm-hmm. hope that that is, happens for her. But also, if a publisher wants to just hand her all the money, <laughs> then there is nothing wrong with that either. She reminds me a little bit of, like, we were talking about Talia Hibbert. Well, mm-hmm. you were, again. You were ahead of me on that train, who self-published for years before Get a Life Chloe Brown. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It just seems like this is sort of that path, but... I like this book a lot, too. I Like I said, Enemies to Lovers is not always my thing, but it was dealt with in such a genuine and authentic way. And like you said, those family and community relationships were so strong. That's a huge draw for me as well. Yeah. And like if you pick up a lot, one of many of Christina C. Jones' books, I can't tell you if all of them are kind of in a connected universe, but there are several of her series that are either set in the same a university town where the Wright brothers and their friends and lovers live. Um, and there are people who know people who live there who then go to other places. And it's just like, it's a really great connected world. Yeah. And I've mentioned, I mentioned in multiple posts about Netflix picking up other things besides small towns on either mm-hmm. side of the country, that mm-hmm. this would be a great universe to just start building out. Ah, that's so true. That is and uh, one thing that we didn't get to that we probably don't have time to dive into is the fact that this is a romance that also includes discussion of romance. Mm-hmm. And 
which is a thing that I have read now in like three books lately. And so I was asking folks what uh, some of their favorites are. And the same four or five titles that I think we've talked about most of them. Take a Hint, Danny Brown came up, which I think we're going to be talking about a little bit more. Uh-huh. Uh, Stud in the Stacks, which is one I feel bad. Uh, Take a Hint, Danny Brown, I know is by Talia Hibbert. I'm not sure who Stud in the Stacks is by, but I will find that out. Blind Date with a Book Boyfriend, which you have talked about, Jess. Mm-hmm. Do you remember offhand who wrote that? That is Lucy Eden. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I may have already said Bromance Book Club. Cherish Reads Hearts on Hold came up. Beach Read came up also. I think it's Emily Henry, maybe, who wrote that. That sounds right. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those big books of 2020 that neither of us has read yet, but mm-hmm. we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Maybe. Hopefully. So anyway, it's apparently a thing, but this is one where there were some really smart, interesting, intelligent conversations about romance, which I enjoyed. Yes. I can't remember the author of Stud in the Stacks. All I can remember is that the author's name sounds kind of like Commonwealthy, like they're from Britain or Australia or <laughs> something. Like their name might be Pippa Grant. Yes. <laughs> it looks like someone named Pippa Grant wrote a book called Stud in the Stacks. So I'm going to assume that it was that one. <laughs> See? I mean, who knows? But I feel pretty good about my odds. Yeah. All right. Let's do another uh, ad spot and then we can jump into some of our favorite books of 2020 so far that we have read. Yes. Unlike, unfortunately, Beach Read, which I do want to read. I will get to it. Eventually. Exactly. All right. Well, our last ad spot is from Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. As you may have heard, you can enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to insiders. There is short story, there's novels, and there's the epic level. And you can try out any level for free for two full weeks. The highlight is the group read hosted online, available to all Epic members. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by you, the Epic subscribers. It will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more! Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. So yeah, Book Riot Insiders, get on board. Two full weeks for free. Cheers. <laughs> With that, I we're we're in July, Jess. We I are. Realize all of the months are a real mess right now, but we're in July. Half of the year has gone by. More than I don't. Uh, all right. Well, we can't be talking about time and space and continuums, and I think we already did. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. But we did want to talk a little bit about some of the favorite books that we've read this year so far. Hmm. And I think I think we both have a little bit of a different tilt on this. And so I will start because uh, I think you have more of an author yeah. feel on this than a book feel. And I will say that when I was trying to think about this and trying to figure out what the books that are sticking with me are, it really kind of came down to that. It came down to what books I've read this year that I keep thinking about. Mm. And they weren't necessarily the ones that I would have expected as I was reading them. But I don't know. There are certain ones that have just like hung with me. And one of them is The Rakus by Scarlett Peckham, which which I think I did talk about or mention at least once um, earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a historical romance. It's um it features Serafina uh, and Adam. Serafina is the Rakus, hence the name of the book. And she is very happy to have whatever affairs she likes with whomever she wants. 
She is a progressive woman trying to fight for women's rights. She is thought of as a radical, but she's really just kind of a normal human mm-hmm. uh, who is fighting for equal rights. And I think what stuck with me about this one is that it's one of the only historical romances I've read that is so embracing of a really deeply flawed, but still relatable uh, heroine. Mm. Uh, Serafina is dealing with alcoholism. She's dealing with tragedy. She's dealing with trauma. She's dealing with all of these various things. And you could completely understand if she never wanted to have anything to do with anyone ever again. Mm. But she still very much is trying to find a way to make a relationship sort of work with Adam, who is a widower. He's got these two young kids. It doesn't make any sense for him to be involved with someone who is so scandalous, but he also doesn't really think of her that way. Like, it's just a, I don't know, like I said, it it was a little bit different from a lot of the sort of traditional British historical romance that you read. And it's one that, like I said, has, has really just sort of stuck with me. If you haven't read The Rakist by Scarlett Peckham, I would recommend at least taking a look and seeing. There are, I I do think we did some spoilers, a spoiler alert, and not even spoiler, uh, content warnings rather, mm-hmm. for things like uh, miscarriage and unintentional pregnancy and abusive history and addiction. And so do check into some, I'm sure I didn't capture all of them. So do check into some of those content warnings if you're interested in and want to be aware of those things. But yeah, the rachis is one that has really sort of stuck with me in the last few months after, since I've read it. Oh, yeah. And uh, this will be to part of my discussion, but I have not yet read it and really want to. But I had, when I, th- when I thought about picking it up was about the time that those content warnings were coming to light among my fellow early readers. And mm-hmm. uh, I just thought, I don't know if I can read this right now. Which yeah. doesn't mean that I'm not going to read it ever. <laughs> but this year, even before everything happened for me, was a year of falling behind. Like, I don't know what happened with my brain or with my time. But I there are so many books sitting on my shelves even, or sitting in my Kindle, that I planned to read months ago and just never got around to it. Books that I picked up and started reading and put them down and never finished. Not for any particular reason of the book, just because my brain wasn't there. Like, I still haven't finished The Worst Best Man. I started reading that book four months ago. (laughs) Fair. Um, These are complicated times. These are complicated times. And uh, so when the question was asked of what books have stuck with you or best books that you've read so far this year. It was a really complicated question for me. If you happen to notice the actual big book riot best books of the year so far post, uh, you'll notice that my choice was not a romance novel. It was a, a comic because I could sit down for two hours and read that straight through and be all in my feelings and giddy and happy and sleepy and finish it and be done and walk away. And another person that helped me through that is the is basically my author of this year. And you will be surprised to discover that it's not Alyssa Cole because what? she has not written she has not published any books this year. 
Well, <laughs> all right. So there's that. Um, but the two books that stood out for me and uh, just thinking about them immediately popping up and also, you know, conferring and verifying in my spreadsheet that this was, these were my thoughts when I finished them were both by Talia Hibbert. So this has kind of been my half year of Talia. And the first was Guarding Temptation, which is a uh, novella that she originally published in one of the rogue anthologies, and then took it, dusted it off, expanded it, built it out a little more, and published on its own. And uh, that one just hit at a really good moment. It's about Nina, and she is very passionate about things and very politically active and has a website that talks about a lot of things and she's very outspoken, but she's been feeling in danger. And um, her older brother's best friend, James, who is also her friend, they're not like separated by this whole concept of sibling and friends and stuff, which is really the only time that I can come to a sibling's best friend situation, is there and really interested in her safety. And the two have such a great relationship. And the story builds out in a way that is fraught enough with her situation that it feels a little bit like romantic suspense, but not to the point where you are like chewing on your fingernails like you would some romantic suspense novels, like, oh my god, somebody's going to die kind of situation. Um, so that element is there, but it's not so overpowering to the development of their relationship, which is mutual. There, There's mutual pining, but neither of them thinks that the other one is interested in them. And there was like, it starts out with them having had a an encounter, let's say, mm-hmm. but thinking that the other each thinking the other person isn't interested in anymore. So you're just like, strangling them through the book the whole time like oh my gosh get it together but you were so for the two of them figuring it out that you just you gotta keep going so that was guarding temptation and then the other book that i'm obviously going to mention is uh take a hint danny brown (laughs) sure and that one was not a sit down read cry be in my feelings it's over because I had to I had to do it in a couple sittings because I didn't have a whole day to just sit and read. But if I had had a whole day, I would have done it because that is a book that you can, if you want, if you are able, if you are able, if you are not Trisha, sit down and read <laughs> <laughs> in one sitting. True. Did you finish it? I did. Yes. Okay. I will. Yeah. It. Yeah. Jess is right. My uh, day job has been a little bit bonkers, and so I. It took me like. More dates than I was proud of, but I did get there and I will, you go and then I'll, I'll mention my thoughts on this one. Okay. And this one is just like, Danny and Zaff are just delightful people and you are rooting for them individually to be successful in everything that they want out of life. And it so happens that one of the things they want out of life is each other, even if they don't know it yet. So Aww. it's it's just like, it's so fun to read. And I love, like, there's a little bit of, like, the deception element 
that, you know, it's hard for me to jump onto in most situations, but this one was fine. Um, because if you are aware of the plot of Take a Hint, Danny Brown, uh, you have Danny, who is a graduate student. Oh, hey, another graduate student. Hey. Working on her PhD. And Zaf is the security guard in her building, who's a former rugby player, professional rugby player. And they are friends who flirt. Um, because neither of them thinks the other is interested in anything more. And, it, like, I feel like when it starts out, neither of them really thinks thinks that a relationship is possible for the two of them. And there's a, an emergency drill. It's not a fire drill. It's like, she for, for some reason, her English class is in a science building, and they have, like, a gas drill, I think? And, we've all been there yeah it happens she gets stuck in the elevator he saves her and carries her out and somebody gets video of them like lovingly staring at each other and suddenly everybody thinks that they're in a relationship and there's even a hashtag and it's great and i love it but that means that they end up spending more time together pretending to be in this relationship for various reasons and it's just delightful you know how i love a good fake relationship and, you know, catching feelings and all of that, as mentioned in our previous sponsorship mm-hmm. boyfriend material. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of really great things about this, as well as the fact that both individual people are really fully built out. They both have very strong goals and very strong ability to work towards them as like, fully built out human people with human relationships outside of each other. And uh, like they do their work, they're both like, this is, this is a competency porn book like no other, I gotta tell you. And it's delightful. I couldn't have told you anything wrong with that book when I finished it. And it's one of those that I kind of like, want to pick up and read good parts of but since i can't even finish a book in a week i'm not gonna go back to something i've already read Mm-hmm. fair but i would watch the heck out of the movie over and over again yeah this one was actually on my list too and i think for partly the same some of the same reasons that the rakis was and that there are just pieces of it that even though i only finished it a, a week or two ago however However many weeks ago or days ago, I was justifying my not finishing it on Twitter. (laughs) There are just things about it that have stuck with me. And one of them is some of what's taken for granted. Mm -hmm. And again, it's like Danny's bisexuality is Mm -hmm. not an issue. Nobody has to have like a big conversation about it. It's just a thing that's part of her life and her identity and her, you know, it's just a part of her life. The fact that she is completely obsessed with and devoted to her career and you know her ambition related to that is Mm -hmm. a thing that nobody ever tells her she has to rein in it just happens to be the case that zaf is delighted to work around it right like he Mm -hmm. shows up early because he knows that she gets distracted by different things in her book and in her life and you're like in her research and it's just i don't i mean it just felt like at one point she's talking like she spends all this time, like, talking about her, she's like, yeah, I have great boobs. They're amazing. They're wonderful. <laughs> and then at one point, she's like, oh, hopefully, you know, like, he's prepared for the fact that once they're out of my bra, they kind of 
I, Talia Hibbert is like wonderful with metaphors, so I'm not even going to try to pretend to like <laughs> capture the metaphor that she's talking about. But she just talks about like the reality of what happens when you are not any longer wearing a particular kind of bra with your boobs. Like it's just mm-hmm. the body image and identity is another thing that just sort of it's not a thing. She's just sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm crazy hot. And also I have a real human body. Right. Like it's just both of those things. And I just. That's the kind of thing with her writing and her books that just really sticks with me. So yeah, I actually was a little delighted that I got to spend a little more time with that book because as much as I could have read it in a day, it was kind of great to be able to like wake up and be like, well, I have 20 minutes before my first meeting, but I'm going to spend those reading this book and feeling (laughs) like putting the right start on my day. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. And the only other one that I will mention, um, because I'm 100% with you, I get it. It's been hard to read. And there have been some great books that have been out this year. It's just, this is just a kind of a strange time. And that's okay. Like, read as much or as little as you want. Read backlist, read nothing, read graphic novels, do whatever you want. But Mm -hmm. uh, the other one that I read actually over the holidays, so right around the beginning of the year that came out, I think in February of this year, is One Last Chance by Therese Bahari, which is another one that has, I think it's super underrated. And it's one that has just sort of stuck with me because it's a (laughs) weirdly, it's a slow burn that happens all in the course of a day, (laughs) which sounds bananas, but it's real because it's a uh, second chance romance. And so Zoe, six years ago, has married her best friend Sawyer, but they had been best friends for such a long time. And they weren't maybe quite ready to get married, and they may have decided to do it in the shade of some trauma and some grief, and they never got divorced. And they happened to run into each other slash come upon each other in this one day. It's all set in Cape Town in South Africa, so which it's a different kind of setting in some ways. It also feels very familiar in others because, you know, we, I think, sort of create these specific ideas around different places in the world. But um, this one feels very, very relatable. And they were each other's first love. And then circumstances were such that they split up. And there's a lot of feeling in this book. Like there's just a lot of really intense feeling. And I just love the way that the balance happens between this one day in the present versus several years in the past. Mm. You almost kind of get the best of both worlds in that way. And she's asking him for a divorce, and they're both trying to figure out if they can come out of it. And it's the third of a of a series. I will tell you, I have not read the others in this series, and I didn't have any trouble um, with this one. I'm sure, as is often the case, that if you read the others, you get some of the side character references a little bit better. But I was perfectly fine just reading this one. And there's just, yeah, it's like kind of a gut punch in a few different ways. But mm. for me, that made it a lot more satisfying or or at least very satisfying as a book. And I it's one that I wish people were talking about and thinking about more. And again, that's One Last Chance by Therese Bahari. Yeah, I read either the first or second in that series. Um, the one with the airport. I don't remember. Um. <laughs> well, since I'm useless and I've only read this one, I can't help. But I'm sure they're both very good. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, and that's one that is obviously on my list to pick up, which is 10 million books long. So mm-hmm. I will tell sure. you in about five years if I agree. <laughs> Perfect. Everybody mark your calendars for episode number 300, <laughs> where Jess talks about uh, that particular book, One Last Chance by Therese Bahari. Yep. I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> I'll, I'll make some notes for, we usually only do uh, our show notes one episode at a time, but but we'll see. Yeah. We'll look ahead. Yeah. All right. Any other 
I mean, you know, the door is not closed. Jess, if we think of more books that we want to talk about next episode, we certainly can. Yeah, we can. And I feel like there are some good books coming out either this month or over the course of the next six months that we can continue to talk about as well. There were four that came out last week that I'm sure I'm going to love immensely. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> In 2022. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we'll all look forward in a couple of years. That That's a... That's that's a teaser for all of you <laughs> just to keep listening for the next two years uh, to Wed in Romance because I'm sure no good books are going to come out after after no. uh, the fall of this year. Well, you'll be fine. You'll be able to get caught up on everything. Oh uh, yeah, publishing is just going to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> do um, take a look though at the book riot best of the year so far. I was actually able to write up Two Rogues Make a Right by Cat Sebastian. Um, just mentioned the book that she had written up already. I think we both kind of steered away from talking about those books on this podcast just because you can read about them. We wrote them up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there you have it. As always, we've definitely, we've taken up our time. Are yes. there things that we need to mention or, or discuss? I read Christina C. Jones as much as you can. Um, and check out people connected to her and her website, Girl Have You Read, which is a great resource for Black romance in particular. I am so embarrassed. I did not realize until this very moment that she was one of the forces behind Girl Have You Read. Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, it's an incredible website. I just did not put that together Mm. now. Well, I have admitted my ignorance. You all can do the same if you also didn't know. And yeah, I guess with that, we will thank our fantastic audio editor, Jen Zink. Yeah, Jen. Yeah, we always talk about a lot, but now we are going to formally start thanking, I think. Yes. The higher Book Riot podcast powers that be have recognized that we need to fully show our gratitude mm-hmm. for all of the incredible work that Jen does. Rate and review the podcast if you are interested in it. It helps other folks find it. And thank you to all those wonderful folks who have reached out to us, but also just thanks for anybody who's listening. Yes, thank you all in whatever way you are giving us feedback, which could just be regularly listening to the podcast and keeping it going. We appreciate you taking the hour plus out of your day, even though many of you might not be on your commute or your daily run like you would have been four months ago. So, (laughs) Which, fair. Especially on that running thing. Good for you if you were ever doing it. Right. (laughs) So, yes. Thanks to Jen. Thanks to you. Thanks to all of our sponsors. And if you are successfully reading in this time, that will never end. Happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs>